Paul was making the invisible visible. That's what priests do. We make the invisible visible. We bring people into the presence of God and help them see the reality that is there. Thank you for downloading our podcast. Make sure you subscribe to get new ones every week. And don't forget to check out First United Methodist Sweetwater's website and social media. Now, here is Pastor Ryan Strebeck. And God spoke all the words, saying, I am the Lord, your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall not take the name of the Lord, your God, in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Our second reading comes from Galatians chapter 6, verses 14 through 18. As for me, may I never boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of that cross, my interest in this world has been crucified, and the world's interest in me has also died. It doesn't matter whether we have been circumcised or not. What counts is whether we have been transformed into a new creation. May God's peace and mercy be upon all who live by this principle. They are the new people of God. From now on, don't let anyone trouble me with these things, for I bear on my body the scars that show I belong to Jesus. Dear brothers and sisters, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. Thank you, Leslie. <clears throat> the God of Moses, the God of our ancestors, our God, claims the right to proper representation, that we should not bear God's name in vain. Can you recall a favorite story or two about representation? When I was a kid, I was, I don't know, I, I had to be around 10. I think it was the first time that George Strait won Entertainer of the Year. So somebody can look that up maybe, what date that was. Um, but I, you know, back then when you got a tape, a cassette tape or a record, it would come with a jacket, and very often it would come with a mail-order list. And in this case, uh, George Strait's cassette tape came with a way to join the George Strait fan club. Anybody else join the George Strait fan club? Been there? Okay. All right. So I, as a kid, I filled out the deal. I got my parents to help me. I mailed it in. I spent some money on this, obviously. Uh, you know, probably a whole like $3. And uh, I got in the mail a bumper sticker that says, I love George Strait. And then I got a card. It was an official membership card, y'all. Uh, and it said, member of the George Strait fan club. I was so proud of that. I put it in my little mini safe on my desk, you know, the George Strait fan club. And I took that bumper sticker and I was prohibited from sticking things on walls. So I took push pins and I stuck it on a prominent place on my bulletin board. Now, that was an outward sign of an inward reality that I loved country music and I loved George Strait, okay? Now, I didn't love George Strait the way some of y'all loved George Strait, but <laughs> I love George Strait, enough to be in the fan club, clearly. <clears throat> uh, another time I remember being a representative, I was a... Uh, basketball player for coach uh, Jerry Dean Isler, and you've heard me tell stories about coach Isler before. 
uh, when we were, when, once we got to JV, uh, there was a dress code required for out-of-town games, all right? So, I mean, home game, you could wear, you could dress like a slouch if you wanted to. But for out-of-town games, when we were on the bus together, we had uh, monogrammed shirts and ties and suspenders. And I remember mom and I having to sew buttons on a pair of pants so we could wear suspenders properly. These were not clip-on suspenders, they were button suspenders. And we all looked exactly the same. And it was Coach's way of saying, when you go to another town, you represent me, and I will not be embarrassed, you represent our school, you represent your team, and you represent the great community of Grady, New Mexico. And it also represented, because people would snicker at us when we walked in, so it also represented for us, you can laugh at us now, we're about to kick your tails though, so... <laughs> It was fun. And um, so this was an outward sign of an invisible reality that we loved our community and we wanted to represent our community. Now, getting a little more heartfelt, a little more serious, a little more real, uh, about 19 years ago, I stood with Amberly on a stage and we took wedding vows and I got this wedding ring. Now, this wedding ring, gosh, I'm get it. <clears throat> this wedding ring represents vows which say, I belong to you and you belong to me. This is an outward and visible sign of an inward and invisible spiritual grace, the marriage covenant. In Hebrew, in the language of Hebrew, if you want to indicate ownership for something, it's a very common practice to put the letter L in front of it. So, People are always making fun of me because I write my name on the inside cover of books. But, uh, so if I took my name, if I took the inside cover of a book and I wrote L. Ryan, that means belonging to Ryan. Okay, so it's just the letter, it's Lamed, is the Hebrew letter. So if you see L and then a word, that means belonging to that person. So uh, it was a common way of signifying. So if I wanted to say that I belong to Amberly, I would write L. Ryan, uh, L. Amberly, belonging to Amberly, and L. Ryan, belonging to Ryan. So there's this uh, belonging, and it's a way of saying, I shall not wear this wedding ring in vain. I shall not carry this wedding ring in vain. I shall not take this wedding ring in vain. Now, we're in a series on the Ten Commandments, as we have come to call them. Uh, we're calling it God's Heart in Ten Words. These summary words that God gave to his people as a graceful way to live out a covenant that God initiated when he saved his people from slavery and he set them free to live a new life and they had no idea how to do that, so he gave them some ground rules. And a summary of those ground rules is what we refer to today as the Ten Commandments, the Ten Words. And they are words of life, they are words that produce freedom. They show us where we can run and where it's not advisable to run, and it allows us to just go and be and live well. This is the covenant with God's chosen people. We are his rescued people, his treasured possession. And God says to us in the 10 words, you belong to me. Each individual person and you as a whole, you belong to me, and you shall not take my name in vain. God claims the right to proper representation. 
Now, we tend to associate the second word or the second commandment with speech, right? Uh, I.e., you shall not speak or say the name of God in vain. Now, words are clearly holy. All throughout Scripture, we see the holy nature of words. We're, in fact, commanded to use all of our words very carefully, to consider the language that we use and how we speak, and when we speak of another person, to consider the holiness of the ability to say words that describe realities about people and institutions and groups. And most certainly, the name of God should not be spoken lightly or flippantly, but reverently. And we say all the time, every day, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Holy is your name. And when we pray as Christians, we make our prayers in the name of Jesus, which is not just a way of saying Jesus like a rubber stamp on the end of our prayer. It's praying according to the nature of Jesus, because we can pray according to the nature of anything. We can pray according to the nature of our favorite political party. We can pray according to the nature of our family. We can pray according to the nature of anything we want to pick. But as Christians, we've decided that our prayers will will be specifically made in the name of Jesus, according to the nature of Jesus, not according to the nature of Buddha or Muhammad or anybody else, but according to the nature of Jesus. However, when we reduce the second commandment or the second word simply to what we say, we miss the heart of the commandment. So let's not get hung up on our internal ticker of how many times we have or have not said the name God or Jesus alongside a common cuss word, all right? We can just do that together. And that's not even to mention the fact that we had to come up with all kinds of things to say it without saying it, like, golly, Moses, and gosh dang it, and think of all the things that we've come up just so we don't say the actual words, right? So there we have it. But there's two keys, two keys today that we're going to look at to understanding what, what this means, what this word means that we shall not take the name of the Lord in vain. The Hebrew verb for that we most commonly translate in, in the English translations as take is a word called tesah, tesah. And the root, the root of tesah is the word nasah. And that was one of my Hebrew vocabulary words, and it's spelled in English N-A-S-A. -A. And so guess how I remembered what that word means for my vocabulary test? It looks like NASA. And so NASA, I think, up. Well, the word NASA means to lift up or to carry. So it was perfect. So I remember NASA, NASA, to lift up or carry. So I see this word TSA, and it means to lift or to carry like a burden, uh, to bear a burden wherever you go. You shall not bear the name of the Lord in vain. You shall not carry the name of the Lord in vain. Now, in baptism, as Christians, we celebrate when we come through the waters of baptism that God is marking us with a name, a triune name, in fact, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. This is the name that we receive at baptism. We begin to carry and to wear God's name. It's an invisible reality that we don't have an outward visibility for. We don't get a black tattoo on our forehead when we get baptized that says baptized. 
but it's an internal impression. It's a reality. It's something that God gives us. He marks us with his name. God gives us his name, and that name comes with the gift and the burden of representation. One of the things that really helps us, in addition to the grammar, that helps us understand what this means, what this commandment means, you shall not bear or you shall not carry the name of the Lord in vain. Think back to the forming of God's people and remember what Moses' brother Aaron, remember his job? He was a priest, right? He was the high priest. Him and his sons, they were set aside to be a priest. And Aaron wore special clothes. Now, I almost wore my vestments today, but it's too hot. So just use your imagination. But vestments, the whole idea of vestments when we wear robes and those kind of things, it comes from, this, from Aaron. And here's what Aaron wore. This was commanded by God. Aaron wore a turban on his head. And, and in that turban, there was an engraved jewel or plate, kind of like a little stone. And it said, El, God. Le, Yahweh. Belonging to God. So at the on, on, at the highest point, right here at the forefront, literally, Aaron had on his head where everybody could see, it, it was like a tattoo, belonging to God. And so he had that on his head, and then you get down to his shoulders, and Aaron had six names on a stone on this shoulder, and six names on a stone on this shoulder. And those names were the names of God's people, summarized by the 12 sons of Israel, the 12 tribes. So he carried the 12 tribes of Israel on his shoulders, and then he had this really sweet breastplate. It was like, a, it was like uh, what do you call the armor that's the flexible stuff? I can't remember. But anyways, uh, it was like that, but it was, it was four rows of three rocks, three precious jewels, and it's like, hey, just like you would have someone go make some jewelry, like really nice jewelry, I want you to carve in the names of all of the 12 tribes. So he had on his shoulders the 12 tribes, six and six, and then he had four rows of three, the 12 tribes of Israel. So Aaron's carrying on his shoulders God's people, and he's carrying on his chest God's people. So now imagine Aaron goes into the presence of God, and this is a constant reminder that, Aaron, you are bearing the names of my people before God. So the priest is belonging to God, and he's carrying the names of the people of God on his chest, and on his shoulders. That's what it means to carry a name. To bring them into holy places, to holy presence. So, okay, so that's fine. So Aaron, that's great, Ryan. That was Aaron's job. But we're not, you know, none of us are wearing turbans and we're not wearing the stuff with the rocks and all that. So what does this have to do with us? Okay, I'm glad you asked. Um, in Exodus 19, okay, this is before, right before the Ten Commandments, God gather, I mean, gathers the people together, and he tells Moses, hey, I'm about to talk to everybody, and then he calls them to the mountain in Exodus 19, verse 3. The Lord calls to Moses out of the mountain and says, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob and tell the people of Israel, You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and I brought you to myself. See, that's the picture of rescue. I brought you out of the land of darkness into the land of light. I brought you through the waters of baptism. Here we are. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, so there's the kicker, obey my voice, keep my covenant, 
You shall be my treasured possession among all peoples, for all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me, okay, this is everybody, so this is us now, you shall be to me a kingdom of priests. And remember, Peter pulls this back uh, into his language when he's writing in the New Testament, right? We're a, we're a holy people, a kingdom of priests. These are the words that you shall speak to the people of Israel. So you and I, as the church, are a kingdom of priests. No one is exempt from this part of the job description. We're all priests in that way. We all carry the baptismal mark of L. Ryan, L. Jane, L. Taylor, right? I mean, excuse me, L. God on all of our foreheads. So Ryan has it on his, sorry. I gave you too many L's in my notes. Um, but each one of us, our names, we carry the name of God on our heads in, through the waters of baptism. And we all carry with us in our hearts, we carry people, we carry our workplaces, we carry our communities. And if you think about everywhere you go, you're carrying the names of people. We're carrying the name of God, and we're carrying the names of people. We carry the name of God with us always, and on our chests and our shoulders, we carry people, each of us. We're a kingdom of priests. We are representatives in the world that God loves to the name of God that is on all of our foreheads. Now, why does God require... Why does he lay claim to proper representation? You know, does God just have this huge ego and he just, he's like, I will be represented right and well. We know that's not God's nature, right? It's not, God is not on an ego trip. But God is jealous for us and he's jealous for his glory because of us and because there's a world out there that God loves, that God so loved, in fact, that he sent his son to die. There's a world out there that God loves. And in God's wisdom, we have to remember this, even when we feel like it's not true. In God's wisdom, he has chosen you and he's chosen me to be his representatives to that world. It's, it's not because we were just perfect and great coming out of the box and we did everything right our whole lives. It's because we were rescued and we were bought with a price. And someone loved us enough to tell us that news. And someone dragged us before the baptismal font. And we belong to God. And therefore, we are priests. A kingdom of priests. I love the way Paul said it in the text that was read for us earlier. He's, he, you know, the church is fighting over, you know, do we need to be circumcised still? Because that was a sign of the old covenant. And, oh, well, you know, we got to do all this. And Paul said, I'm so tired of this argument. He's like, y'all do whatever you want, but I'm just telling you that the heart of the deal, he says, I bear on my body the scars, the marks of Jesus Christ. Isn't that a beautiful statement? Wouldn't it be cool if at our funeral, the pastor could say, this person bore on their body the marks of Jesus Christ. They bore the scars of a life that was following Jesus. That would be, I can't think of a better dream for our lives, then they bore on their body the marks of Jesus. Paul was all in. 
Paul was making the invisible visible. That's what priests do. We make the invisible visible. We bring people into the presence of God and help them see the reality that is there. And of course, it's really simple. It's really, really hard, but it's very simple. Remember what Jesus said in his kind of his last discourse, his last words to his disciples? And they're asking all these questions and, you know, what's, what's coming down the, the pike and what's happening and we're not sure how this is going to look. And Jesus says, just remember, I'm giving you a new commandment. All right, this, this is the new commandment in John 13. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. How do we, how do we bear the name of God in the world? How do we represent God in the world? You know, do we button our shirts up and cinch our tie and walk on eggshells and make sure we don't make any mistakes? Jesus answers the question for us. Love one another just as I have loved you. You are also to love one another. And listen to what he says. By this, if you do that, by this, all people, you hear the all, the whole world, all people will know that you are my disciples. Remember the old song, they will know we are Christians, which the, the, the word Christian is a name. It means belonging to Christ. They will know we are Christians by our love. Jesus says, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So simple, and it's so hard. Belonging to Jesus, wearing the name, carrying the name, loving each other, and the world sees that name. They begin to admire, and then they begin to wonder, what would it be like to revere a name that way? And to be marked with that name and to carry a name, to have something so precious in your hands and in your heart that you carried it with that kind of dignity and that kind of hope and that kind of peace. May that be us as a kingdom of priests in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.